Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for Everymind. This week, founder Paul speaks to Ollie Magnus, CEO of the Magnus Group. For anyone that regularly listens to this podcast, you will know Paul's views on being an open boss, CEO, or leader. Our guest today, Ollie, is someone that very much embodies this approach, and it's a great insight on how being an open CEO impacts and can change a business. If after listening to this, you think Everymind at Work could help your business, then head over to everymindatwork.com. If you found this episode valuable, don't forget to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. As ever, enjoy the show. So, Ollie, welcome to the Everymind podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, Paul. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, we were just saying how I can't believe it's March, wasn't it? It just goes ridiculously quick with everything, even so much going on. Um, but how's, how's this, I'd say this year, the last 12 months, how's the last 12 months been for you, especially as a CEO of Magnus as well? How's, how's the last 12 months been? It's uh, entertaining um challenging <laughs> um it's been pretty hard well it's been very hard work to be honest i mean nobody nobody envisaged 12 months ago where we would be you know where the last year would have gone um and it's kind of it's kind of had a big effect on everyone really it's uh it's just been we've been busy you know it's a good it's a good time to be in warehousing and transport but you know, this time last year, we weren't sure what was coming. Mm. There was a concern of warehouses all being shut down, but um, with with the whole industry shutting down, warehouses became overcrowded. And fortunately, I had just taken on a new warehouse, um, so I had a bit of space. And and uh, yeah, a lot of hard work, but it's uh, it's been emotional, that's for sure. Yeah, so you almost say business has got busier during these more difficult yeah. yeah it's definitely got busier but you know there's that fine line between being busy fools and you know being good busy but i would say from march until probably the end of the year we've been busy fools a little bit mm-hmm. um, start this year we've started to get the right processes and things in place because the, the i mean i came here in 2019 in july uh and i think we well we've certainly doubled the turnover in and it was you know that's not it's not a small turnover but it, we've just we've just been pretty successful at what we did but because of that you can so sometimes grow too quickly and if you don't have the right processes and procedures in place then there's a lot of catching up to do so yeah yeah i can relate to that how many um how many employees you currently have within the business uh so it's about uh, 130 130 and has that grown as well obviously um, yeah no it was it was just over 100 when i when i came here so we we took on a new unit next door uh new warehouse units have doubled the size of the warehousing uh obviously we had to um man up accordingly uh drivers wise we we're probably a few more but warehouse and, and the office and then and then we started this freight forwarding department down in felix though so um there's another eight people there so um yeah we, we've got a few more people now so nice and, and a few more people means more more i guess management from from you and and more i wouldn't say pressure but more obviously responsibility as well so um you know obviously a lot of the work we do is working with businesses and kind of seeing how they've supported their employees during these difficult times and i guess within your industry it's kind of been all systems go still so how 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 do you find almost that responsibility for for you know those those hundred odd people at the moment uh yeah it's 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 difficult but 
the, when I when I came here, I, I I kind of built from the top down. So I bought departmental heads of department. So bought a head of warehousing, a head of um, transport, and a head of freight. And they they kind of uh, they manage their staff. So I kind of don't get too involved in in the day to day managing of of all the staff. That's for sure because uh, we have a proper structure here. But I bought my sister in. Um, in the middle of last year to head up the HR department mm-hmm. and she's she's been brilliant so she she tends to, to take over that role more more than I do um, so yeah she's uh, she's better at that I would say than me she has enough on her hands looking after me <laughs> <laughs> but, but from from what, what I've kind of seen as well you know on on LinkedIn and that you know you you do share very openly about your mental health your your personal sort of journey as well so um obviously myself included I'm a big advocate for sharing my own journey and um I lost my dad to suicide and I talk very openly about that and my own journey as a a man dealing with my mental health and emotions and and I think as a a founder of CEO that does have an impact on my team but there are some times when I question am I being too open um so have you always been quite open or is it just uh, something you've been doing uh no is the is is the answer um I can't kind of uh, so my dad died in 2018 and probably since then I've become a, a lot more open um, and then I took on this business probably uh, it was just over a year later um, and just kind of I don't know felt felt a little bit freer um, but I was in a position where I was talking about something that I was told you shouldn't talk about but actually I think it from, you know, I'm not a big one on positions, you know, we're all the same, but yes, I've got bigger responsibilities here, but but actually coming from someone like me, it, it turns out has helped a lot of people because, you know, there is this, you know, the, the, there's always been the the, sub, the taboo of mental health and all, all that sort of thing and people, you know, guys don't talk about it um, and everybody suffers from it in their, their own sort of way and Actually, I, I thought, you know what, well, why, why not be honest about it um, and, and use my position to hopefully try and help others. I never thought, to be honest, it would, it would go quite as it has. Um, but I'm, I'm proud of that, the way, you know, I, I'm not ashamed of, of anything I've said or done. Um, and if, you know, I'm that sort of person, I'd always try and help people if I can and if I'm saying something that helps other people then that's got to be a good thing surely yeah no I agree and just from kind of the work that we've done you know if if you do have that CEO or that senior leader that's that's quite vulnerable and open it does encourage others to be vulnerable too doesn't it and um you know I think especially as 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 men in particular, you know, we don't really talk about mental health and emotions. And if you've got guys that you can relate to that are talking about their mental health and emotions, it does make you feel a little bit more comfortable to do so because, you know, you kind of touched on it a minute ago, but, you know, do you think there's still obviously a stigma that surrounds mental health in general? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I first started, I've got friends that I wouldn't say they, they, they have criticized me in the past for, for the things I've put on LinkedIn. Um, I don't think people really do now because it's got past that stage of, you know, it was kind of 
kind of Ollie, what are you doing? Sort of thing. Um, and I think you get to a stage where actually it's, it's gone past that and people just accept it now. Um, but, uh, you know, people don't talk about it enough. You know, it just, I feel, I feel a bit of release from it. You know, the, the, how do you, um, how do you quantify what's mental health and what, and what's not, you know, it's, um, I, as I said earlier, I think we all suffer from it in, in certain ways, but I've got a couple of friends that have suffered from it really badly and very openly. And, and to be honest, they're the people who understand it more than other people. You know, I've had, I have friends who openly say, don't get all that. Um, I was brought up in the army and don't believe, don't believe all that sort of rubbish. But, but then there's other people, you know, other people who completely empathize and understand it. I think, I think it's just all that bravado and we just, we just have to pull back that bravado of you just don't talk about things like that you know the more we talk the easier it is yeah and I think you know I've spoken to lots of people like that and I can relate to what you're saying it's almost and I I think I was the same up into a certain period where you almost feel like you're bulletproof you know it's almost like you have to have this maybe internally you don't feel bulletproof but that almost you know bravado as you say that i'm bulletproof i can handle this i've been through this and i can handle anything but you know i've spoken to many guys that thought they were bulletproof but they just burnt out at a certain period or potentially they were like running away from an issue and putting on that sort of brave face and then all of a sudden that comes and sort of you know takes over them at an eventual point so it's it's people like you that as you say that are out there opening up and and sharing your own journey that i think will inspire a lot more others to do so as well it'd be good to find out because i think a lot of potential people want to share their story but they're very hesitant to do so for one the reasons you've just stated but equally you know not knowing the right way or the best way of doing it so what was the kind of turning point for you to start being a bit more vocal about it um i guess i guess um being in in this position of, uh, you know, I ran my own business before with someone else, but now I kind of, I'm, I'm the head of this business here. Um, and I, it's a good question. I, I don't really know. I kind of, I kind of just ended up doing that. And, you know, I did this, this, this man post on LinkedIn that uh, ended up uh, reaching about 1.3 million people or something. And, um, and that was just a story, story of my life. And, you know, and there was no preconceived plan on doing that. It, it just came out. And, and it, the reason it's just come out is because that was just a form of release for me, clearly. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't driven in thinking I was going to do that in the morning. But I, I, felt, I felt a lot better for it. You know, I, I had an accident in 1997. And um it was it's always been tough you know I, I fell off a balcony I was 40 foot high I was in intensive care for 13 weeks had to teach myself to walk again but for the next however many years it's 24 years now so say, let's say 23 years kind of walked around with a with a mask on that I was all right because you know you know we're all we're all big boys aren't we and uh, and you do that and actually it, it I look at it now and it affected me a lot more than I ever realized at the time because I have a greater understanding of it. But, 
I kind of brushed it under under the carpet. You know, since then I've had other things where my heart was stopping and I had a business relationship that I found tough, shall we say. Um, actually, when I left that, I found that really tough. Um, so I've had, I've, had, I've had a lot of things, but I've always just brushed it under the carpet. You know, we talk about counselling. I, I did that for four months and it just didn't work for me. And the reason it probably didn't work is because I didn't understand it myself. Mm. I just, I just mm. brushed things aside. Um, and exactly as you said earlier, it's about being bulletproof, isn't it? You, we all think we're bulletproof. Um, you know, I survived, survived that fall. So in a way, I was pretty invincible. But mentally, yeah, physically, I've recovered from it. I mean, I broke my back in five different places and very lucky to survive. But the bigger effect it had on me was mentally rather than physically. But people only ever saw the physical side of it. Mm. I didn't understand the mental side of it, probably until till, till recently. You know, Other things have triggered me looking back in the past and understanding it myself. Yeah, you've been for a lot, right? And I think you know, sometimes that adversity leads to, to resilience as well, right? You know, you've kind of been through those experiences and kind of got out the other side. But I think one thing you mentioned that I could really relate to then was, was that, like you say, that mask that you wore and just kind of the exhaustion that comes with wearing that mask. And I talk about my mask quite a lot when I was kind of, as you say, not talking to anyone about what I was going through, kind of dealing with it on my own. And and I always say, like, I wish I would have took that mask off. But actually, it's fine saying that now. You know, back then, as you said, I don't think I was, I didn't know I was doing that. I was just, just doing what I was almost conditioned and educated to do with the right tools that I had. And that was just get on with it, just crack on. Um, and did you find when you was a bit more open about it, it was almost a bit more freeing? Like that exhaustion wasn't as there as, there as much? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, however, I've, I've been more open about it in writing rather than talking about it. Mm. if that makes sense yeah um so it's easier to to write things down than to talk about it I, i've always found and then suddenly linkedin again 100 percent, there was no um idea that i was going to do that you know i didn't have a plan it was just it just it just happened um you know i've been quite honest before i wrote that this man post um and but could I still could I go and sit and talk about it as easily as I could to write it down? No, probably. So mm-hmm. I, I haven't dealt with everything I should have done. But putting it down in writing has has made things easier for me, for sure. Yeah. I mean, could I have had this conversation two years ago? Probably not. Mm-hmm. To be honest, yeah. that's uh, a really it's a really good point though as well because lots of people are hesitant to do anything like to share anything because they don't know how, but you know, I, I believe anyone within a business or outside of a business can, as you say, write and publish something. It could be, you know, for a CEO to stand up potentially in a, a team meeting of a hundred people and say, this is what I've been through. It's a very difficult situation for anyone to be in, but like you've said, potentially getting someone to just write a couple of paragraphs about something they've experienced and sharing that with the team is, is sometimes a little bit easier. And, and my journey was the same, Ollie, like you said, I mean, I started by 
I always joked so I didn't tell anyone for four years. Then I started to tell my my family and friends after I went to therapy. And then, you know, I started writing about it like eight years later. And, and I can stand up in front of an audience now and talk more openly about it. And people ask how. And it took me a huge amount of time, like you say, to even write it down on on a, on a blog post or whatever it was. So I think anyone has, like you say, the ability to to almost start. You also are seeing some of your posts as well around um, imposter syndrome. And, yeah. and I think, you know, again, as a sort of, you know, CEO and, and however you want to kind of position it, not many CEOs will talk about imposter syndrome. So, um, you know, can you kind of talk a little bit about that and how do you kind of manage that? Um, yeah, it's, uh, I've, al- I've always had that feeling, I guess. I put, I put a post on the other day about it's a bit like when I used to play sport and I was half, half decent at cricket, I used to be a half decent footballer, etc. But I always had this feeling that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm, and I would play, you know, if I wasn't good enough, I wouldn't be picked. Make no mistake. But I, I, I always thought other people were better than me, um, and that was just always that I, I, w- I was always better if I played in a in a worse team where I was the best player and I knew I was the best player. Yeah. Um, if I was in a team where I was one of the better players, but I wasn't the best player, best one or two players, it would it would actually be quite bad for my confidence in, in a way. You know, I was, I was quite a nervous. Uh, certainly a nervous cricketer um, I always thought I'd always go out thinking I was going to get nothing um, and I did sometimes um, but you know I, I was I was 100% good enough but I never had that you know I've, I've suffered from lack of confidence for, for years probably more so in the last probably, probably as an adult actually at school I, I was I was okay. I think I think the accident in '97 kind of ruined my confidence totally. You know, I lost five five stone. I think uh, trying to teach yourself to walk again, and it's and it's difficult. And not being confident is such a you know I bang on about it all the time now about backing yourself and having confidence in your own ability because if you don't if you don't believe in yourself, then nobody's going to believe in you and that goes from sport to to business and I went into I went into a business with my confidence at, at I wouldn't say an all-time low that's not fair but it wasn't it wasn't where it needed to be and with hindsight it, it wasn't the right choice for me it turned into a successful business but for me personally mentally it wasn't wasn't the right thing to do and it, imposter syndrome I did always feel I was in a position that I wasn't good enough to be in. Um, and then I, I left there, you know, there was kind of a fallout. Um, so I left there with my confidence very, I would say, at an all-time low. And then I've come into this business where I, we talk about masks. I've had to come in as not, not pretending to be something I'm not because that, that wouldn't be right. But, you know, trying to... Ha- to have a self-belief and a confidence in myself that, to be honest, I didn't really have at the time. Um, but I, I very, I'm so much better now than I was there. But I always still have this, am I good enough feeling 
you know, people tell me all the time that I'm, I am good enough. Um, so I can only take their word for it, but I'm not the sort of person to go around telling people that I am the best and I am this, you know, I run this business. We've, we've been pretty successful at it, but I know full well that I've played my part hugely in it, but I'm reliant on my team. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my team are, uh, integral to the to the success of this business and I'm I'm a big team player um, but sitting here I feel I warrant my place in the team have I felt that in the past probably not no mm. it's interesting again something I can relate it's, do you do how did you kind of start to build that confidence because again when I when I think about confidence it's almost like you say a muscle and you have to kind of work at it. it isn't something that just kind of happens overnight, but has it just been, and again, you know, you spoke about like double in turnover since you've come in and that's like a massive, you know, a massive, it's right there in front of you on a piece of paper. Right. But still you kind of feel like that's not you and you're kind of not worthy of that. So is there stuff that you work on or is it just naturally as you start to be a little bit more successful, you start to feel a bit more confident? I think, uh, yeah. I think, it, it, as I said, it was a real tough thing for me. I, I made myself confident because I had to. I couldn't come in here without bluster and bravado and this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it. Um, that was the hardest bit. And then it started to, you know, the, the ball started to roll down the hill, if you like, of actually uh, I am pretty good at this. I can... I can do this. You know, I've had a, I've had years of, you know, these guys that I've bought in, um, they used to be suppliers of mine in my previous business. And, um, you know, there's confidence in there that they, you know, it's a huge confidence boost for me that these guys chose to come and work for me. Mm. Uh, all of them could have done something else, but they believed in me. But the biggest thing I've done is underestimate myself over the years. Um, I still do underestimate myself. I'm very self-detrimental. I, you know, I work with with somebody who, who helps me on certain bits, and she's always going on about me underestimating myself. Um, it's just my natural uh, demeanor, or what was the right word? You know, it's just just the way I am. I always try and I'll always put myself down and and big others up, and I I have to learn to to change that at some stage, but I am who I am. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, but naturally my confidence has, has increased with, as the business has got more successful. So, Would you, um, I know you said you lost a lot of confidence after the accident, but would you say you was confident as a child? I know you mentioned about sport, but like if you can think all the way back, was you quite a confident child? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, uh, so I, I went to the local primary school until I was eight years old. Then I went to private school. Uh, now, I loved my school. It was brilliant, but an unbelievably competitive mm. environment to be in, which is, is good on one hand, but it's not good on, on another. Mm. Um, you know, you get eaten alive if you're, you're not the person that you want to be, you know, if you're if you're not good at sport or you're not this or you're not one of the lat, you know, you know, I'm sure others, I can only speak for the school that I went to, 
Um, but it was very, very, very competitive. Um, and we left, when we left school, so it was at Ipswich and I'm still around here, um, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who went to the school and in business it's become very competitive. Um, you know, everybody's trying to, try and, not trying to be better than others, but, it, but you know, sometimes it's not healthy. Um, and if you, if you do have a slight, um, sorry, if, if you do have a slight confidence issue, then, um, sorry, that's my daughter. Um, <laughs> it's why these are uncut and raw. My phone went off, your phone went off. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you do have a slight confidence issue, then, and then um, it, it's detrimental to you. Um, and, you know, business, business is a similar environment um, in a competitive world and I wouldn't say I, I'm really competitive on certain things but in a business world it, I'm I'm not so competitive uh, it's not about um, money for me it's about um, creating something that makes me proud of myself yeah rather than what car I'm driving or or anything like that it's more um, it's more for for my own self-belief and confidence, that's that's the thing that drives me more. There's nothing better than, or there's nothing worse than looking at yourself in the mirror, thinking that you're not very good. Mm. Uh, but there's there's also that something nice about looking in the mirror, and you like what you see. And to be honest, for far too many years, I looked in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, again, I think. You know, this podcast is typically sort of, you know, HR professionals will listen to it or people with an interest in sort of mental health in the workplace. And I hear from a lot of HR professionals that say they really struggle with imposter syndrome as well. Um, and I think it's just important that, as you say, your honesty of that is is massively important. Because, again, I think when you feel like an imposter or you lack self-belief and no one else is talking about that, you do feel less worthy, don't you? You feel like, again, you're the only one kind of experiencing that low self-belief. Um and I think social media, you know, sometimes makes it a little bit more difficult. But if you if you have that self-belief and confidence and, you know, you're open about those times where you don't feel confident, I think that has a massive impact on, on your own self, but also equally the people around you. And, and I know that you've spoken about this before as well, but, you know, what, what do you think the relationship is between the health of your business and you as the CEO driving this, the commercial realities of, of making money and, and all of that and the health of your employees. Like is, do you see there's being a real importance in investing in the people in your business to almost have a big impact on, on your business in general? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm only, I'm only the guy who sits, I'm only the stupid one who's put the money in that's <laughs> the business, you know, this business is only as good as the 129 other people that that work here. Um, you know, one thing I like to think I've changed is is the atmosphere here. You know, the team. Like I said earlier, I'm very much a team person. There was no bonding here. There was no um, family feel to the business because it had lost its identity. You know, one thing I tried to do was. You know, bring an identity back to the business, and 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 get people wanting to feel part of the business. And and to do that, you have to value them. Um, I would say, 
I would say they didn't feel valued before. Uh, do they now? It's not for me to answer that question. Um, but I, I think they well, that, that I think they do because certain people tell me the atmosphere here is is so much better. Um, but it's about it's about bigging people up. Um, or not bigging people up, but you know, you talk about self belief. If you surround yourself with the wrong people, who you know, go back to school and where you can get eaten alive. If you surround yourself with people that are telling you, you, you know, you don't want people to just be telling you you're brilliant if you're not. You know, it's not, it's not about feeding your ego. But on the flip side of it, you don't want people who are very detrimental to you um, because, it, because it's dangerous. And, it, you know, you, you, can, you can mentally hurt people doing that. And I, and I, I recognise that and I try to, you know, I, I always try and big up my team as part of the team because I do recognise how important they are um, to this business. But also because it's it's the right thing to do. If they I won't big people up if they're not doing a good job. Mm. Um, but you know, everybody. I don't care whether you're 13 or you're or you're 47. Everybody wants a pat on the back or a well done when when you. You know, I came I came here 18 months ago and I sent an email once just to say, a oh, well done to the guys who've done something." And one of them said to me, "That's the first time." anyone's done that for about 10 years mm. but for me that's just a simple you know I didn't think oh, I'm going to do that because um, suddenly they'll think I'm great it's just a well done you know um, I've got a 14 year old son and an 11 year old daughter you know I try and praise them but I don't give it if they don't deserve it mm. you know we're all the same we're all we're all big kids at the end of the day who who you know who like to be praised and um, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to be nice. You know, I'm always saying about be nice to people. I don't understand why people can't just be nice to each other. What's the downside? You know? Yeah, I love that. And again, you know, I think a lot of companies have made the mistake in investing money in products and, you know, initiatives and all of that when actually any business can do what you've just, said that you've done right you know any business any manager can send out an email to people and say well done really appreciate you know your support and, and all of that and how much of an impact that can have on the general culture of the business and the people within the business too um and like you said it doesn't cost it doesn't cost anything right it just comes from the right place and equally i think employees if they feel valued and there's lots of research around this, they will give as much as they can possibly give for the business. If they don't feel valued, then they're not going to. Right. And, and it's employees are smarter than I think companies think sometimes. And they know when they're just trying to say they're doing this because they have to say it, or if it comes from the right place, like you've just said, that comes from you just being a kind leader and, and they can kind of see through that. Like, as you say, we're all big kids at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh but uh, life is all so much about respect and trust, isn't it? You know, uh, my door is always open. I'm, uh, you know, we I had somebody who came and did a, a, a video with me here and we walk around the warehouse and people, everyone's saying hello to me and I, because I speak to them, you know, yeah. again, just because cause I'm sitting in this office, it doesn't mean I'm any different to them. You know, I want, I want to be, friends with them i don't I, I want them to 
to be able to come and knock on my door, not not for pay rises every five minutes. You know, there's a line, but if somebody's got a problem, I want to be that one, you know, one of these people. I've got an open door policy here. You know, it annoys me when my door is open and people knock on it. You know, so, um, so it, it's just about creating a, a, a team of people that are all, you know, it's very, very easy to row a boat if you're all going in the same direction, isn't it? Um, you know, we're, in the last seven, eight, nine months, we've had some people leave, but they they weren't rowing in the same direction. You know, you shake the tree, the best apples stay on, don't they? And and it's a very different it's a very different life here now than it was before I came in because we've got so much busier, um, and it's not such an easy life. But you get more out of it if you if you throw yourself into it and. And most importantly, you get you're appreciated. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Where people do more if they're appreciated. Back to what I said, a little pat on the head, and and it's not false. You know, hopefully people don't think, you know, I'm false in any way. I genuinely, you know, I appreciate what these guys do, mm. and hopefully vice versa. Yeah, and I think it's like you say that reminder of you're just you're just doing your best as well. You know. Yeah. As you know, it's, it's mental health is so individual and motivation is so individual and you're never going to please everyone. But as long as you're just doing your best and it's with the right intent, then, you know, the, the business is going to grow from that as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, had, I, I actually bumped into one of the warehouse guys the other day and he he thanked me for what I'd been putting on LinkedIn and how a person in my position had opened up and it, it said it, it helped him enormously. Um, I... I I think I started blushing. I was just like, I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. Um, and I just thanked him. But, you know, the, the, the fact that I'm having that impact on people who work for me um, means, means a hell of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, just, just I mean, we're going to wrap up anyway because conscious of time, but just the impact that what I've realized from me sharing my story as well is, is not only you impacting him, you're impacting his family, you're impacting his friends, you're impacting his close colleagues. And, you know, and that comes from, like you said, just you being honest, being vulnerable, sharing some stuff on LinkedIn, right. And just coming at it from the right intent. And the, the impact that you are having by doing that is, is, is huge. So, I just want to obviously say thank you. I think it's always encouraging to meet meet people like you that kind of are, are trying to inspire others. So, you know, it's something that we try and get more companies to to do and more companies to buy into. So kind of definitely appreciate that. I want to ask you one last question though, if you don't mind, Ollie, and it's a um, a big question. And I always hate getting asked this question, but I'm going to ask you. <laughs> um, what, what advice would you give to the younger you? Let's say the 10-year-old you. Um... Oh, the ten-year-old me. I was quite a cocky ten-year-old. <laughs> um, uh, I would always say, believe in yourself and back yourself. Because, as I said earlier, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Um, I spent far too long not believing or backing myself. Um, I'm 47 years old. I'd probably say I've wasted 25 years by not believing in myself. Um, do I genuinely believe myself? Believe in myself now, a lot more than I did, that's for sure. But there's a fine line between believing in yourself and being cocky. 
Mm. Uh, nobody likes someone who's cocky. Um, but if you believe in yourself and just be a nice person, you know, my, my mum said to me, be nice to everyone on the way up because you may well need them on the way down. And I, I said earlier, I don't see any downside to just being a nice, genuine person. Um, but my, most importantly, believe in yourself. So. Love that. Thank you, Ollie. Um, where can people find you? I guess LinkedIn is the best place, right? Yeah, I got asked this the other day and I have no idea what my LinkedIn profile is. But um, yeah, Ollie, O-L-L-Y, Magnus. Um, and it's on there is probably the, the, um, the best place. You realise you're an influencer now. You got to get you got to get on all of them. Do you know how that embarrasses me so much? When, <laughs> honestly, uh, it's like when you say I went out to inspire people, and it, it was never a, it was never a, um, something I, I planned to do. But it's yeah. great, you know. I, I love the fact that people say I inspire them. I don't get it, if I'm honest. I don't understand it. Um, but. Yeah, influencer, I don't like that. That embarrasses me. No, tell, tell me about it. I don't either. But equally, you know, talking about inspiring people, I think the reason why you inspire people is because you never set out to inspire people. Like, you know, the same with me. I only wanted to help one person with that blog post that I wrote originally. And then that's just escalated into into more. Um, you, know, you, know, you know, I think the people that get into this because they want to get into it or they might see a job out of it are very different to the people like you that have just done it because you wanted to potentially, you yeah. know, someone from it. Well, I, I think it's authenticity, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and being a nice person. Um, now I, I guess rightly or wrongly, I've come across as, as a nice person who's authentic and people kind of, people can see through people who aren't authentic. Um, mm. and I just, I, I was just myself. I still am just myself. I will always be myself. I will always be me. Um, and if people like that, then that's brilliant. Thanks, Ollie. I really appreciate you being so honest today. Yeah, no, thanks, Paul. Thanks for your time.